Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today, I'm talking to Lizette Offley, speaker, author, and founder of the Genius Principles and Genius Mindset, an academic and professional development company based in Oxford. Using tools such as neuro-linguistic programming, cognitive behavioral therapy, and both positive and evolutionary psychology, Lizette guides people towards realizing their full potential and living happier, healthier, and more fulfilling lives. She believes things like limiting beliefs and imposter syndrome hold us back from creating the life and career we want and deserve, and that change in mindset is all that's required to unlock and take full advantage of one's innate abilities. I think no matter how successful you are, it's sometimes difficult to shut out those niggling voices that tell you you're not quite good enough, or that you could be better, or that somehow it's only a matter of time before you get exposed to being something you're not. In fact, it ironically tends to be genuinely successful people who go through these periods of self-doubt and in a twisted way, it's this self-doubt that is one of the drivers of their ambition. Of course, this type of thinking is not healthy, nor is it sustainable. So I was interested to sit down with Lizette to understand what she does and how her tools can help shift our mindset towards more positivity and self-affirmation. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hello, Lizette. Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Thank you, Warren. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on the podcast. I'm really interested to have a kind of conversation about some of the areas of your expertise, but so that our listeners can gain an understanding of what those areas of expertise are and it is what you do. Um, can you give perhaps a slight few minutes on your background and you know a little bit about the businesses that you founded? Yes, of course. I started um, as a teacher in classrooms. You know, you your standard stand up yeah I did that for 20 years thoroughly enjoyed it absolutely exhausting thoroughly enjoyed it and for the last I think it's 18 or so years I've been running my own business um and people call me the genius maker because I help people use their brains to get even better results across the board so at at one end of the spectrum I help people to pass exams we're not taught how to learn and we're hardwired to forget. <laughs> and yeah. if you've got a, a busy job and you're looking after clients and or you've got a family and they expect to see something of you once in a while, then obviously you need to have a really robust and efficient system for studying. And um, people go from failing the same exam or, or multiple exams several times each to passing every exam with a score of 80% by doing less work. So that's genius wow. material. And the, the nice thing about that is 
they discover that it's it's not the stuff that I teach them that's the genius material. It's them. They are the genius material yeah. because they're accessing their inner genius. And at the other end of the scale, also during this time, um, I've I've been helping people. Uh, I suppose you could call it with your mindset, emotional okay. intelligence, emotional competence, and that's about really it's about understanding how we've evolved the way that we have what your brain is doing with you and for you why it's doing what it's doing in the way that it's doing it to speak the same language so you're working as a team instead of fighting each other or giving in <laughs> to what's going on in your head wow there's so much we can talk about <laughs> and um, and it's interesting just to see that evolution for you as an individual though from being a a teacher to i suppose helping adults overcome some of their kind of frustrations and not passing exams and not being academic and and succeeding i suppose there must have been there must be a big contrast isn't there towards teaching children and teaching adults i don't know i don't know i mean that's that's a question i'm i'm asked so many times and i still don't have an answer for it yeah and the other classic question is what age group did you teach and which age group did you prefer and in yeah. all of these cases small large older younger they're people people yeah. you know people come in different shapes and sizes and backgrounds and, and experiences and i i enjoy have a lot of fun working with with younger and older and professional people and not professional yet people yeah so i haven't got an answer for that i'm afraid okay so let's explore some of those subjects and and you know let's start off with that one around mindset really and and you know the genius principles and one of the things i know that you're quite passionate about is the talking to individuals about their limiting beliefs um so i suppose first question is what do you think are the cause of limiting beliefs and how can they be overcome I think the cause of limiting beliefs is evolution. Yeah. Okay. Evolution has has found a way to to attempt to keep us out of harm's way. That the limiting beliefs are there to limit us, to stop us stepping out and risking yeah. ourselves from an evolutionary perspective, our lives. But do you think you know, different individuals have different limiting beliefs don't they and it can come from background it can become from experience it can be i don't know is it sometimes innate in our dna do you think and possibly from that first answer it is so you know what do you how can people overcome those limiting beliefs i think it's always about understanding and insights learning what it's all about why it's there how it works how your brain your unconscious or your subconscious same thing mm. how how that part of your brain is 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 automatically looking out for you trying to keep you safe and how it can communicate with you yeah and and the more we understand what's actually going on the better decisions we can make about it so instead of being forced into a corner and feeling fearful and not stepping out and um, acting from our limiting beliefs, we can make better decisions. Oh, and it's also not a question of forcing yourself through. Your brain is screaming at you, don't do it, don't do it. And you yeah. force yourself to do it anyway. It's not about that. It's about working much more intelligently with the way that the unconscious automatic part of your brain is trying to keep you safe, trying to alert you to danger and trying to keep you safe. From an evolutionary perspective, 
we we physiologically we've barely changed in what ten thousand years. Mm. You know, we used to live in caves. <laughs> Our ancestors yeah. lived in caves. It was safe in the cave. That's why they were there. It was not safe on the outside. So we we developed the ability to stay safe in the cave to spot danger someone's looking at me strangely does that mean i've done something wrong i've stepped out of line make sure that i do something to repair that so i can stay in the cave where it's safe we we may not have to worry about saber-toothed tigers on the outside anymore hopefully not equipment, <laughs> most of us but the equipment we have to deal with the apparent danger out there is still the same so someone gives you a sidelong glance and your your brain notices it and draws your attention to it and you feel uncomfortable and you think oh now what have i done or what do i need to put right or yeah. that's a kind of a defensive thing or you attack that's an automatic attack that's a stress response because our brain is treating it as though it's a life and death situation which is why we get these extreme reactions feelings mm. and behavior but the more we understand what's going on, why it's happening, the more choice we have, the better decisions we can make. So in that case, I mean, you're saying you know, some of the limiting beliefs are there, you know, it's evolutionary. It's about keeping us safe as human beings. So how do you bring logic into that then? Because sometimes we've got to overcome that thing. You know, my brain is trying to keep me safe, but I know I'm safe in this environment. I know I can stretch myself and, and push yet. myself. Yeah. <laughs> And yet, and yet I'm holding myself back. Yeah, because your uh, the word unconscious is a metaphor. It subconscious, unconscious, just depends. You know how you've been trained, which school of you know yeah. which language they use. But it's, it's all the same. What we're referring to is the parts of the brain that get on with the jobs automatically. You don't. You can override and take control um, consciously of your breathing, but most of the time we don't because it it, it happens for us blinking you know we can blink if we want to but that normally happens automatically there are parts of the brain whose job it is just to get stuff done beat the yeah. heart pump the blood you know that yeah. sort of thing um and that um and and that means that there are things that are going on for us that our, our lives depend on which is why it's such a strong force yeah. so I mean, to take a completely different situation, but one that, that that's a bit more obvious. Somebody says they want to stop smoking. They're determined to stop smoking. This time they're going to stop smoking. And yet somehow they don't. They pick up the packet of cigarettes exactly. and have to go. Yeah. But there's something else going on quite clearly. And you can you can you can apply that to most of the stuff that's going on around us because the unconscious part of the brain is far more powerful and gets the job done. So we can say one thing, oh, New Year's resolutions. <laughs> yeah. We can say one thing and find ourselves doing something else. Unless the unconscious mind has an opportunity to make an even better decision than the one that it's already made. So that's not logic and it's not the conscious part of the brain and it's not willpower and it's not forcing yourself to do something. It's the brain automatically doing one thing and making a decision to automatically do a second thing because it's an even better fit for the problem it's trying to solve. Okay. And so you would, would you say, well, I think from the answer, maybe it's a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you think it's got also a lot to do with habit creation or do you think that is, yeah, is that what on. you would teach people to, to do? Abs absolutely right. Absolutely yeah. right. A, a habit is just an action and an action can be a thought process, can't it? 
Yes. But it just happens repeated, repeatedly. And it's it's a quick go-to to fix, to, to, for a solution. It's, yeah. it's the go-to solution. Um, it may not be the best fit, but it's the go-to solution, the best one we've got at the moment. So habits, we tend to think of a habit being something that we have to practice until we can do it. Like, you know, practicing your scales on the piano. Yeah, yeah. that's something that we, we repeat and repeat and we get better at it and it gets more automatic. But a lot of habits are just born in the moment. We don't realize it until after we found ourselves doing that thing for a long time. Time and, and might, time and time again, yeah. And, and we might even be able to look back at when we started or not, you know, yeah. because it all happened unconsciously. So you can change a habit in the moment if you know how to do that. But it's about the unconscious mind. It's not about us trying to force something to happen. And you can, you can. But it's hard and it very often doesn't happen. It's about working with the unconscious mind. Okay. And I hope you don't mind me asking, but what are some of the limiting beliefs that perhaps you've had or still have and oh, what work have you done personally to overcome them? To put it in perspective for our I've listeners, got, I've got what I find a great story because it's the one that really makes me think. Okay. And, and that is years ago. Um, I had, I knew something wasn't possible. And the thing was buying a particular house. And I knew it wasn't possible. And I had friends telling me, but there must be, you know, there must be some clever way of, of you know, creating the opportunity here. You know, it, it's... Oof. And a, a one friend in particular, Tess, wouldn't leave it alone. She's a very creative person. She's a, a, a fixer. You know, she's very capable. Yeah. And she kept, she kept talking about it. And I kept saying, Tess, it ain't going to happen. It, it can't happen. And then <laughs> one morning at 20 past four, this is a.m., mind you, not yeah. something that I often <laughs> witness, I woke up with a question. And the question was, what would have to happen in order for me to be able to buy this house? Mm. Notice it wasn't, what have I got to force into existence to make this thing happen? It wasn't that. It was just an inquiry. I woke up in an inquiry. Yeah. Not, it can't happen. It was just, well, what would have to happen for this to be possible? So effectively, you're asking your subconscious mind at that point, aren't you? To... Well, I, yes, I must have woken up already. Yeah. In that inquiry. And all I planned to do was to go and ask some questions. And I asked a lot of questions of a lot of different people. Um, and I did what you would call due diligence. And then I did it again, <laughs> just to be absolutely sure. And, you know, you probably guess where this is going. I bought the, the house. Yeah. Now, I wasn't expecting, even then, I was expecting to find out the answers for good and all and draw a line under it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, I'd already drawn a line under it all the weeks leading up to that moment. But now I was just going to do something sensible, which was to go and find out rather than to assume. Mm. But in my world, it wasn't a possibility. But as it turned out, there were some things that would have to be in place. And then, you know, as, as fortune would have it, it was then possible. And, and now I, I have the attitude, even when you know something's not possible, you just don't know. You just yeah. don't know. 
So that's a, I mean, that's an amazing, positive, open mindset that you have. But how would you coach or teach somebody that comes to you with a really closed mindset of that and, and take what you know? I'm not going to pass those professional exams. I just, I failed twice before. I'm not going to do it. How can you and what techniques do you use to open their mind to the possibilities? Well, if you take that particular example, people generally who come for help with exams don't come for help with their mindset. Hmm. And so what I do is, first of all, and this is one of the very few times where I think it's important, I profile them to find out how they do information beautifully already as perfectly competent professionals. Um, And what that does is it means that 90% of any advice available isn't relevant. Hmm. And what we do is we we create a really simple three-part structure and then and the point where they say to them, but is that all I have to do? And I say to them, well, is it working? Mm, yeah. Well, why would you do more? You know, yeah. why would you ever complicate it? So, so what happens in that situation usually, Warren, is that because it takes next to no time for them to get to the point where they realize their new strategy is working, yeah. job done. All the limiting beliefs they had before, there's no room for them because the evidence, you know, there's that lovely story, swans are white, swans are white, swans are white. And then suddenly, oh, there's a black swan. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Not all swans are white. Insight. So, yeah. you know, that's what often happens to them. Sometimes we get that far and then something kicks in and there's there's a moment of doubt. Then then when, when, when we're um, doing the study skills, you know, they're, they're practicing their craft and they know it's working. But then something kicks in and they haven't done what I've expected them to do, which I know they can do now. And then I realize there's something in the way. And, and then we dive into the mindset. And it, it really doesn't take very much at all. What will have happened is for their, for their unconscious, remember, unconscious mind to have made the decision that they are going to fail again, that they're not going to succeed, that they won't amount to much, that someone's going to find them out. All of those things, all designed to keep them from sticking their neck out and risking taking an exam mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Some that decision was made by the unconscious mind at some point. You 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 won't amount to much. You're not you're not you're not cutting it. You better stay small and not risk it. Don't let people find out you're not good enough. You won't be acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and and all I do is a really really straightforward. Um, what would you call it? Just it's 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 just an intervention for for want of a better word although i don't like that word very much because it sounds pretty gruesome it sounds quite bleak a very short conversation two-way conversation to encourage their unconscious mind to 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 notice where that decision was made and where the flaws are in it yeah and what better decision now that we're doing it consciously second time around what better decision is possible and then where's the evidence to back up that new decision because what usually happens is these things are decided in a moment. Sometimes we know when it started. Yeah. Sometimes we don't. It's crept up on us. Oh, it's always been that way. Yeah. But no, something happened. The unconscious mind had to make sense of it, made a decision. And usually we default to there's something wrong with us, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, and then what we do is having made that decision, we then spend the rest of our lives looking for evidence that we made the right decision, that it's true. Yeah. The decision is made in a moment, I think. 
And how much of it goes back, do you think, to our childhood? You know, these someone's self-doubt, the way in which they're brought up, you know, the yeah. background yeah. to their childhood. Most how much of, it. of that do you Most think it. is fact? Most of it. We we are so we learn so fast and so automatically. If someone tells you the sky is blue, that's it. The sky yeah. is blue. No questions asked. Um we we're operating from our unconscious mind right through until about the age of 12 or so. Yeah. So unconsciously we're sucking up all this, this life saving information. Don't play in the road. Yeah. No, don't play with that person. They're not nice. They're dangerous. Yeah. They're going to hurt you. You know, all those things your parents say, don't put your knife in your mouth. That's the end of that. You don't do that because yeah. well, you just don't. Eat <laughs> yeah. everything on you your know. plate. <laughs> Yeah. You know, if you're of a certain generation, eat everything on your plate. Yeah. No questions asked. You find yourself doing it 100 years later. You're still eating everything on your plate, whether you want it or need it. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that mostly happens. Um, and your brain doesn't finish developing until you're in your mid-20s. A lot of people don't know that. Do you think it does stop? De- I mean, there's ah, scientific yeah. evidence. Do you think it does ever stop developing? Jury's out. When I was at school, we were taught that you're born with a full complement of brain cells okay. and that you keep them or lose them depending on how you use them or abuse them. Yeah. What we've been teaching recently is, and many parts of the brain continue to, to, to grow and develop, create new brain cells and connect them to other brain cells if you give your brain reason to, you know, if you continue to Stimulation, learn. Stimulation, I suppose, Stimulate. isn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly right. But um, I was just reading a new scientist just a few weeks ago that they're not sure about that anymore. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm, I'm sure, because if you think about it, um, the hippocampus, which is really important to learning, is huge mm. in taxi drivers, uh, pre-satnavs, taxi yes. drivers who had to learn the knowledge have become super learners and their hippocampus, you know, the structure of a part of the brain, which is absolutely essential for learning stuff, is massive compared to the rest of us. So I, I think definitely, oh, well, how do we learn a new skill unless our brains reorganize themselves it's to do so? To be, yeah, they've got to fit that in or develop yeah. or do something, haven't they? Exactly, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So on your Genius Principles website, you talk about success and you talk about that success can come at a cost. Um, and in this subject matter, you're talking about, especially for women, predominantly in sort of male environments, perhaps just again for our listeners, it's quite an interesting subject. So perhaps could you elaborate on this and, you know, yes. perhaps help with some hints and tips? When, when we say something comes at a cost, we usually mean something negative by that. And I don't, I mean, just something purely transactional. And it's easy to relate to it. If you need a pencil and you're going to buy a pencil, well, then you've got to put some effort in to find the thing that you want to buy, whether it's yeah. in a shop or online or, or whatever. And then you have to pay some money. That's easy to relate to. Or running a half marathon, it'll cost you a bit of practice. Mm. Um, and some of those swaps are easy decisions for us. If you want something enough, you're not even counting the cost, you're just getting on and doing it. Um, Dr. John D. Martini said, you don't need motivation to do the things you want to do. You're already doing them. 
It's what we do in life, isn't it? Yeah, we do yeah. the things we want to do and we enjoy exactly. doing. We're already doing them. So some things we haven't even noticed the cost. We're just getting on and undoing it. But some things appear more expensive. That's a way of looking at it, I guess. Hmm. Because we're afraid of something, making the wrong mistake. Or I don't know what it's going to look like, feel like, whether I'm going to be safe, whether we're all going to be safe. Fear of the unknown, we just hate, don't we, not knowing something, yeah. not knowing what's going to happen, how things are going to be for us. And I guess that's why people are afraid of change. We're not big fans of change, really. We like to know how things are, how we work <laughs> within yeah. how things are. But then, you know, the, the unconscious mind starts alerting us to, well, this might happen and that might happen. And it's all gloom and doom. You know, you're not good enough. They'll find you out. Um um, you'll make the wrong decision, there'll be no going back. And so we hang around and we procrastinate for a bit longer. Or, you know, are you going to be up to the job? Will you be able to learn the new skills? Will you learn them fast enough? Will that be acceptable? So then you get anxious about it. Um, so the cost is just a transaction when you stop and look at it. Mm. If I like the idea of stepping into that role and it's going to look like this and here are the benefits, it's going to feel like that. It's going to give me this. There, there are the perhaps fairly obvious benefits, but also it's going to cost you giving up the job you've already got. Mm. Well, that might be an easy decision. Yeah. But it you may not, not enjoy that job. You may not like that. But you could, it yeah, might not. Feel, yeah, exactly. you might feel very safe in that role. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, the cost is, you know, if you step over there, well, you've just left over here. Mm. That's what it's cost you. You would... You, talk briefly there about change and obviously the change management process and and the change management curve I suppose would come into that but why do you think some of us perhaps business leaders entrepreneurs do accept change and and there's people out there you know that perhaps embrace change and others that clearly are fearful for it and that's the subconscious mind but why do you think there's some people out there that are so perhaps you know they'll accept risk they'll take risk they'll accept change i i think it's i think it's possibly i'd have to think about it for a bit longer and i'm sure if i was you know if i was talking to somebody else they'd come up with with even more ideas but i think in the first place it takes courage because you just don't know yeah it takes courage and then the ability to make quick decisions probably so yeah. when you make a decision you don't know necessarily if that's definitely going to be the best thing all you can do is suck it and see yeah. But if you're able to make another quick decision, then you can get back on track quickly. You know, go on, go on, you're going to say something. Yeah. So how does that impact, you know, what are you a believer in gut feeling and following your gut? You know, we've been talking a lot about the brain and the subconscious and the unconscious mind, but, you know, there's gut feeling as well. And then gut decisions. Yes. Well, where do you are, stand on that? We know that we have neurons around our gut and our heart and are, and are all connected to our brain. So when we have a gut feeling, it's, it's, <laughs> we really are. It's one and the same, perhaps. Yeah. And we've evolved to have emotions. We cannot make, we've discovered, we cannot make decisions without emotions. We have to, we have to know how we feel about it. We could do all the logical list making you, you want. Pros, yeah. cons, make a decision. But you can't make a decision unless you have, if, if, unless you know how you feel about it. Hmm. So we know that we, we need to have those emotions. As for gut the expression gut feeling a lot of people go with their gut i think it's got to do with that 
but you've got to have emotional competence, I believe. Because for a lot of people, a lot of the time, their gut feeling is telling them, don't do it, it's not safe, it might hurt. So, so when I, you know, I've, I've helped people who have talked about gut feeling, who when they start talking about stuff, they say, I didn't do that because you know, I felt really bad about it. And I realize that it's them holding themselves back yeah. from doing something they actually want to do because they are creating emotions and thoughts that are keeping them back. It's all back to those not, limiting beliefs again. Yes, it? it might be safer. It might be. It might be. You might have to learn some new stuff yeah. if you step forward. But it, it certainly isn't satisfying staying where you are because you're afraid to to tip your you put your toe in the water. Definitely. So so I you know I, I gut feeling I'd say yes, but exercise caution. Be sure that you are in touch with why you are having the thoughts, why you are having the emotions, and be able to make a healthy, sensible decision for yourself and follow through and see what happens, and then make another decision. Fantastic. And something else that just cropped up in those you know, few minutes of conversation is around that us waiting for the perfect time, us <laughs> procrastinating. That's mm. an easy one, isn't it? To mm belief to put in our minds that actually yeah i really want to do this i want to do that but actually mm. it's not quite the right time how mm. would you coach people get people to realize that actually you know they should overcome that as a fear or as possibly as an excuse yes yes you, you have to really have a look at why that excuse exists Perhaps there's a blooming good reason not to do X, Y, Z right now or next yeah. week. Maybe it would be an even better solution to wait to the week after. But if you make that decision, you know why you're making it. And lo and behold, when you reach that time, it yeah. happens because you've planned for it and you've stepped into it. If it's a, a less effect, uh, not effective, that's not the right word competent if it's a less competent interpretation of thoughts and feelings you're having then develop a bit of competence and and make healthy decisions for yourself and for the people you love and not using them yeah not using those excuses so one of the things that you said in your introduction is that you're known as the genius maker <laughs> i love that so um, and again, I suppose that must come back to your program and the principles that you run about and but and is about accessing another level of intelligence, I think is your words. What do you really mean by that? And how do people go about accessing another level of intelligence? Because it sounds great. It sounds very grand, but it sounds very <laughs> great, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, when somebody called me the genius maker, it kind of stuck. And I like that because there is genius in all of us. Hmm. We are we are all totally amazing all of us and we've done amazing things now i don't mean necessarily built a rocket and gone to the moon and that's pretty amazing but i mean um picking yourself up again when you've been knocked down that's amazing or helping another human being just because you can that's amazing you know i that there we are totally amazing some and it's all there inside us you know we're all capable of that but what we learn generally as we grow up is, is what we can't do. 
what we shouldn't do, mm-hmm. what nobody else is doing. Therefore, we shouldn't be doing it either. And, and a lot of it's unconscious. And so we we start to play small. We, we start to forget what we're capable of. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to do things in a particular way and be you know extraordinary every minute of the day. I don't mean that at all. I just mean that if somebody wants to do a bit more than they're doing or do things in a different way or have a different life, it's all there because it doesn't depend on other people. It depends on you. Yeah. And that's a bit of an eye-opener when you really connect with that, when you really realise that if it's all down to me, what is it then that I need to learn? What do I need to be able to do? What do I need to understand in order to have what I'm telling everybody I want to have happen. And to answer your question about how do you do that, you you need to learn the emotional competency skills. Hmm. And it's what you don't know you don't know. Good. It's really, I mean, I know I have to sit here as a parent now, actually, and I'm thinking, as a parent, what do you think we can do to help our children perhaps not have so many I know it's a slightly left field question here, but maybe as a parent, what we can do not to give our children so many limiting beliefs and give them that ability to go into adulthood, being more open minded about what they can do and what they can achieve. So so why, why do you think we end up giving our children limiting beliefs as a parent? Trying to keep them safe from harm of course of course and of course you do but the problem is life will chuck unexpected and difficult challenges at every single one of us it's life's rich tapestry exactly so in actual fact while naturally enough parents want to protect their children probably the best thing and of course you're going to stop them playing on the motorway of course you are (laughs) But at the same time, surely, surely the approach that has legs is giving them the tools to cope, to make the best of, to find their way through those issues when when they do materialize. Instead of protecting them from them, teach them how to deal with them. And you know, I, I, as a teacher, I used to groan. You know, whenever whenever you'd hear on the news people saying, "Well, we ought to teach that in schools," and thinking, "When? If there aren't enough yeah. hours in the day. When are we going to teach that?" I agree, we should. When are we going to do that? But I really think this is very important because we learn who we are in the world, how the world is, how other people are, from what's going on around us as we grow up. Hmm. Some of us are luckier than others. There's no consistency there. No. Um, but pretty much what happens is we end up with limiting beliefs and and ways of playing small instead of being free to take the actions that, that we could if we didn't have those limiting beliefs, which are designed by everyone to keep you safe. Yep. So I would really love it if there was a program in schools to give every child a fighting chance to better understand what's going on with them, with other people in the world, so that they they could make a a better better fist of it. Fantastic. Well, there's there's a new cause for you, Lizette. (laughs) Off you go. It's not a new cause, but it's a question (laughs) of how many hours there are in the day. But I mean, I I have programs in place for for youngsters. They're really effective. 
it's a question of, of finding a way to you know to make it more make make all of this stuff more accessible to more people yeah get more people to understand it get more people to That's right, yeah. because it makes for an easier life yeah and what impact and i suppose how do i frame do you think what point in your life you know you talked about the house purchase but at what point in your life did your attitude change or did you always have this more open mind no. was i born that way actually yeah, we... probably i was born that way but like everybody else i learned how to play small yeah there was um i've i've i started getting no that, let me start again i've always been interested in biology and um people and the mind the brain and i when i left teaching so one of, one of the really rewarding things there's so many rewarding things about teaching but just to have a child mouse across the classroom thank you mm. at the end of, of the day because you knew that you'd helped and you know they recognize that i mean often they, they were just clear off and not you know, but, and that's okay. fine <laughs> you know, you're not looking for for, for external um praise you just know that you know you feel good you've done that job and you still haven't done that job yet you know um but i've always been interested in all of that kind of stuff and when i started getting the opportunity to go on my own personal development journey probably about i don't know let's let's call it 25 or so years ago um i was absolutely fascinated by the fact that each time I engaged with something, it wasn't as though somebody new was coming up with a new idea and it could look like this. And you're thinking, mm. okay, they're, they're trying really hard. They, they really want to help, but it's their angle and it's not going to hit the spot for everyone. It wasn't like that at all. It seemed to me that that each time I accessed some something about emotional intelligence, they were onto something. There was a, an underlying structure that they were tapping in and out of that I that was a complete paradigm shift for me. And so I started doing a lot of personal development and that morphed into professional training. And then of course you apply it all to yourself because hell, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You're learning things. This is, and it's about self-development, isn't it? That's yes, why you're on that exactly. journey. Yeah. And, and actually now, now that, you know, I've been around for a little while, I've, I've noticed that there are a lot of people out there telling their clients what to do, but not doing it themselves. Hmm. You know, I wouldn't, I've been using the smoking analogy again. You know, if you wanted to stop smoking, probably better not to go to someone who hasn't managed to quit themselves. Yeah. But um, but but I but I've been really really lucky with with the professional training, um, and I've, I've I call it world class training because of the people who have been doing it and where I've had to mm -hmm. go to to go and um, learn this stuff. And consequently, I've I've had a lot of experience with clients and a lot of success. Um, and a lot of surprising things. You never know how far or how fast you can go with a client um, until you start. But there's there's always a lot more available than than they they first thought. Um, Dr. John Grinder, who was one of the two co-founders of NLP, has gone on to create New Code NLP in an attempt to make sure that practitioners walk the talk. So that, there's a lot to say about that. But in any case. I've, you know, I've found my life getting easier as I've just absorbed and used these, these, these techniques. They're not so much techniques, they're just a way of being, a way of life. 
Yeah. Like the black swan thing. You know, once you've seen a black swan, you, you stop insisting that there are only white swans in the world. And so you operate from the knowledge that there are some black swans. Absolutely. So you operate in a, in a new way. And from your own experience and the work that you've done, have you got one particular story that you think, I mean, I'm sure there's many, but that stands out in terms of somebody that's changed their mindset and, and done some remarkable things as a result? Well, there is, there is so many because the whole point about it is to break through to the Those new barriers, level. Yeah. There's a, there was a, a, a new business owner. She worked in her family business, but now the business was hers. And so there was already a tradition there and she didn't want to fail. In fact, she wanted to make it more her own and, and take it to a normal success. But she wouldn't go to networking meetings and she wouldn't pick the phone up. Okay. <laughs> Okay. No, <laughs> now she makes videos and she gives talks. Okay. So that has obviously opened up. So so before it was like she had one foot on the accelerator and one foot on the brake. Well, yeah. now she's taken her foot off the brake. So she's free to step into whatever you know role she wants to step into. So before she wasn't free to do that, she was caught. But yeah. now she can make those decisions. There was, um, there was a, a woman who was actually sent by her boss. Her boss suggested... Uh, that that she should work with me, which she did, because he could see that she had a lot more potential than yeah. she was letting on. And um, as a result of that, she went straight back to the boss and said, I don't want this job. And he was <laughs> rather surprised because that's not the outcome he was expecting. I don't want this job. What I want is, and then she started to describe a job that didn't exist. He agreed with her, gave her the job, created the job, gave her the job and promoted her. <laughs> fantastic look at that that's that's a great story isn't it and and i suppose that's having that open mindset and just releasing your potential isn't it um as we wrap up i've got two final questions for you the first is and again i'm probably going off at a complete tangent here but this whole principle of you know you're talking about being the open mindset where are you where do you sit over mind over matter as a subject you know that the fact that we can train and focus our brain to overcome adversity overcome illness within our bodies and all of those kind of things is that something that you believe in if you think I've, it's something that's out there some of my very extraordinary results have been with people who've had difficult medical conditions that doctors haven't been able to help with yeah uh, medical conditions that I've never heard of before, focal dystonia, gastrointestinal reflux disease, Tourette's, you know, we've all heard of Tourette's, um, anorexia, you know, a whole raft of things, some of which we've heard of and some of which I hadn't heard of. And my model doesn't mean that it has to be true, but my model is an illness is an outward manifestation of what's going on inside, mm -hmm. as is behavior, as is, you know, thought patterns and all the rest of it. So I applied the same model and work with the unconscious mind to find an even better solution to the problem that the illness, the behavior, the thought processes were there to fix. When the unconscious mind goes to look for an even better solution and finds it, automatically there's no need for the um, medical condition or the you know the thought processes the emotions to be there anymore they've done their job they've served their purpose now we've got a, a better solution and it just happens automatically and like I say you don't know how fast a person can go you don't know how far a person mm. can go but when 
I met a young man. Um, was he nine? Was he nineteen? I think I've forgotten how old he was. He was a teenager. He was six foot seven. Probably still is <laughs> six foot seven. But as as skinny, I've never seen anybody as skinny. And it was all I could do to not make an audible gasp. And the long and short it was that he was um, born with some problems with his digestive system. He'd had a number of operations and he'd now been given his last operation and the all clear. Now physically, you're perfect. But still, he couldn't eat. He had two options. One was to force the food down and watch it come back up again. And the other was to just not even to get that far, not even to get it into his system. And his mother was beside herself with concern. And this this young chap turns up. Anyway, anyway, wind forward a week and they get back in touch with me to say that they were chatting over dinner and they got engrossed in the conversation. It was only at the end of the dinner that they glanced down at their plates. Mum's plate was empty, as you'd expect, but so was his. It was a non-issue. He hadn't had to think about it and work at it and make it happen successfully. He didn't even have to do that. He was totally oblivious of what was going on. There was no problem. His unconscious mind had made an even better solution than the one that it had for keeping him safe. The solution it had for keeping him safe was not eating food because it didn't do him any good. That was true for years. It wasn't true anymore. So the unconscious mind learnt something new and operated from a different paradigm. Fantastic. Now, now, out of all of your success stories, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That that proves that it does exist and and what a powerful thing our brains are. So my final question, we call this the Evolve to Succeed podcast. What is your own personal definition of success? (laughs) Oh, oh, goodness me. Question and a half to end on, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Success. Well, it's it's got to be having, being, doing what you want. Something that that fills you with joy. Something that lights your candle. And it, it doesn't have to be launching that rocket to the moon. It could be simply teaching someone the alphabet or, you know, or just walking in the park just because you can. Finding your joy and having time yeah. to find that joy and yeah. then undertake that joy. Yeah. yeah. To, to, you know, I, I'm not sure that we're here more than once. I, I think we're probably here just the once to be able to look back over your life and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be a great thing. Brilliant. I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's going to be one of those conversations. It's just after midday now. I think I'm going to be going to sleep tonight thinking about some <laughs> of the things we've talked about. Is that it's, it's definitely got me thinking. It's been a brilliant uh, episode of the podcast. So thank you for being a guest. If people want to learn more about you and what you're up to and, and you know, those businesses that you operate, where can they go to? Well, if they need a simple strategy to pass exams and remember the information ongoingly, not just up to the exam, but make them more knowledgeable, then it's it's Genius Material, my website, Genius Material, but that's genius-material.com. There's a hyphen in the middle of it, genius-material.com. If it's about mindset and about breaking through the glass ceiling to the next level, it's then geniusprinciples.com, no hyphen, geniusprinciples.com. Perfect. Thank you, Lizette. Thank you for being a guest on the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great talking to you.
Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.